Well, 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 here we are. Welcome back to Church in the Wild. You guys, I, uh, I feel like I have to begin with an apology because this has been quite a bit of a hiatus. Um, I'm sure as many of you might understand the uh, job of a senior pastor who's trying to finish a doctoral degree and manage four children, a wife that he still wants to love him back, and, uh, and a very needy bulldog have uh, create certain levels of demands on uh, one's personal self to the degree that um, I'm not always able to do everything that I would want to do. And uh, full disclosure, I believe that uh, I, I owe you guys honesty that could I have recorded more episodes? Yes. Uh, did I actually record a few more episodes and just not put in the work to edit and post them? Yes, yes, I also did that. Um, there's just a whole bunch of things that uh, distracted me, took my attention, and um, anyway, so that's the story of that. But I'm back, and here's why I'm back. There's no coincidence that everything going on right now with the COVID virus and the shutdowns and all the challenges coming alongside that have afforded a few opportunities. Uh, I don't feel like I have necessarily a lot of less things to do, but it seems like there's a few things that are very necessary to do. And one of them is to increase the level of communication that I have with my own congregation. And this podcast is just one medium that is going to help with that. Now, for all of you that are not someone who actually you know lives in or near Corvallis and attends Grace City here. Um, I hope this is going to be extremely beneficial and helpful for you all. This isn't specifically just meant for people in Corvallis. But these next few episodes, um, I'm going to take a, maybe a break from some of the normal format of conversations that I would do that are a bit more broader and uh, and and focus in on topics I think are really going to apply specifically for us as a, as a church. But I'm hoping they do apply in a bigger context for a kind of the larger Christian world. And um, I'm uh, pretty excited doing that. I, I, uh, I don't know how much I'm going to commit to, how many episodes I'm going to release, but I'm going to try to release um, at least maybe one or more uh, a week just so people can stay uh, connected and um, hear my voice, if that means anything to you, and just hear some of my thoughts and musings. As things begin to change very quickly, I think this is also just a good chance to be able to process what other people are thinking and hearing. And as I have conversations with other friends and pastors and leaders from around the country and the world, um, this is also a forum where some of those thoughts can be um, publicly expressed as well. So uh, if you're a first-time listener here to The Church in the Wild because of this whole uh, crisis going on, uh, welcome. And if you are a longtime listener of Church in the Wild and you've already heard every episode, then, then I guess, uh, well, I'm welcoming myself back to you. Um, and uh, I'm hoping this can, can spur things on because, yes, there are a lot of conversations that I'm still eager to have and a lot of topics I'm still eager to discuss. Now, a couple of things on the front end I want to say. This is uh, this podcast is, uh, is my kind of personal venture. Uh, I'm posting on this podcast as opposed to my church's podcast for these episodes specifically, because I do believe it applies to the broader um, church audience as opposed to just our local congregation, and also because it just helps to alleviate. Um, I can handle more of this uh, on my own and even with uh, some of my own help and assistance that I have, and I don't need to put extra pressure on our whole media and technology and creativity department, which is essentially one person at this point. And uh, he's doing an amazing job for our church, but I didn't want to add this on top of everything else 
else that he's doing, and this is something that I, that I could relatively manage for myself. Um, so that's that's why we're doing this on Church in the Wild versus the Gray City podcast, and um, so that's that's uh, that's why that. Um, for those of you that are relatively new, here's the idea behind Church in the Wild and why it's called Church in the Wild, and uh, maybe here's just a refresher, an update for those of you that uh, maybe haven't listened in a while. Church in the Wild is something that really struck me several years ago when I was in seminary, and I was learning about the wilderness passages from the Old Testament, and those are the passages involving Moses and the people of Israel as they had already left Egypt, uh, been freed as slaves, but had not yet entered the Promised Land, and they lived in this space in between for 40 years known as the wilderness or the wild. And it was that space that then becomes like the, the, the pattern or the paradigm by which Christians are now to understand where we live uh, in our time and moment in the world. That where we live on the backside of the resurrection of Jesus and before his return is similar to this wilderness moment. There is a promised land to come when Jesus said he would return to make all things new. But we don't live in that world yet. But we do live in a world where something significant has happened. Jesus has died, risen, and this has given us forgiveness of sins. Uh, it's given us union uh, with God through uh, his son and by his spirit. We're now becoming the new temple of God. We've been filled with God's spirit. Um, and there is an unleashing of God's kingdom into the world. So all that is going to come of the renewal of creation, we're already beginning to see appetizers and foretastes of it here and now. So it's not as if the world is as hopeless and as dark as it ever could be, but because of Jesus and his death and resurrection, he has launched his resurrection into the world and it's starting to leak into it as foretastes, as uh, announcements that of something greater that's to come. And so this is why Christians for now a couple thousand years have lived with great hope and anticipation not just simply hunkering down, waiting for Jesus to return, but believing that even the resurrection of Jesus can absolutely impact anything and everything in our world today. Although it won't be the full kingdom, the kingdom is here, but it's not yet. And so we live in that tension where things are not awesome and yet can be awesome. And we live in this tension where Jesus is present with us and yet there's still more to come. And we live in this tension where the power of God is released into our lives to deal with all kinds of crazy things in this world, but the world itself is still fundamentally broken and passing away. Um, and so it's that tension that we live in when we're in the wilderness. Uh, it's that tension of faith that we live in, trusting that uh, between this time, uh, that walking with Jesus in this wilderness, we don't have everything that we might want, and everything is not the way that it should necessarily be, but God is still faithful and trustworthy to lead us through this moment, and he's not going to abandon us. He's not going to leave us or forsake us, and he is going to see this thing through all the way to the proverbial promised land. Um, so I just thought that that was an amazing paradigm to think about life now, to understand the tensions of, of faith and maybe why it's faith is difficult at times, why it's tough to believe in a good and faithful God when we live in a very messy, desert-like world. And, uh, and yeah, this is exactly why. This is our time. This is our moment that we are in. And our hope in the future, our faith in what Christ has already done and accomplished, um, our love that we express in this present moment as Jesus is filling our hearts with his love through his spirit, all this stuff is incredibly important. And this podcast is meant to just walk through some of those tensions and talk about life and faith and, um, and what it means to, to know Jesus 
in this time and moment and uh, and to live inside all of those tensions. And um, so there's a variety of conversations that I've already had on this podcast and will be still to come on this podcast that it's just about what the normal Christian life looks like in a messy world, but with a very good and perfect God. Um, so, there, so there you go. And it sure seems like that um, this moment, maybe more than most or any that certainly my generation or the one probably before me and been, you know, that's going behind me has ever known that this pandemic and the economic ramifications, obviously the health ramifications, all those sorts of things, uh, the social isolation and the um, different ways in which we are responding to this um, is not anything anyone has experienced before. And so we're having to figure out how to apply faith in Christ in a moment like this, that um, it's not like we have a solid template, at least within the last couple of generations, to know exactly how this is supposed to look. If you look back far enough, stuff like this has always happened, and it's actually quite common. In fact, we've been insulated for a historically significant amount of time from something like this. Um, so in one sense, this is actually quite par for the course, I guess, for our world, and yet we are due to kind of advancement of technology and all kinds of other things have, have been relatively sheltered from it for a while. But now I think we are, <clears throat> we're exposed and we're realizing that, yeah, no, this, uh, this world can be a bit hostile and dangerous even. And life as we know it can change on a dime. And to not have a faith that takes all those things into consideration is to not actually have a holistic biblical faith or to not actually have a very helpful faith at all. Not only is it maybe not the true authentic faith that Jesus would call us to, it's not even very pragmatic or helpful. And so what can oftentimes happen, and I know this is getting exposed in my life and in my family and my church and for all of us on some level, is if you have a faith life whatsoever, it's difficult to not allow that faith life to be built by the circumstances around you. And granted, you may have struggles and challenges like we all do, but this is at least presenting a kind of unified challenge we're all going through simultaneously that is unique in a lot of ways. And it's just exposing. Is is my faith and trust and life really built around just the comfort of my circumstances and the stability of the life that's been created around me? Um, Or is God my rock? Is he my stability? Is he the one that is my refuge? Um, because literally everything else can crumble away, and I still have him. Now, there's a whole lot that has not crumbled away, and we should not be pressing the panic button by any means. But it is to say, there's, there's I think, meaningful introspection, meditation, and, um, and just thoughts that we can give to our faith and what it means to trust God in moments like this. And so I want to offer just a series of my own musings and even conversations of people I bring on to, to talk this through. Um, and you'll see a, f- a few episodes coming out hopefully on the regular through this time. And I think this time, uh, we know now from the CDC, they've recommended uh, as, of, as of the time I'm going to release and recording this, it's eight weeks, eight weeks of uh, gatherings less than 10 or 25 people. I think President Trump has said 10, CDC has said less than 25. I think everyone's kind of going for the you know, the most conservative case of we're just anticipating that, you know, we could be in this for a while and the restrictions could become potentially more uh, stringent um, 
but uh, we're just kind of waiting and seeing how things go. As I'm recording this now, it was just yesterday that our governor here in the state of Oregon in the United States um, just has postponed uh, school, public schools, from beginning until the end of the month of April. Um, so that's already pushing it out uh, another month, essentially, basically. Um, and who knows if it'll go beyond that or if that's the actual point in time which, which kind of, at least school-wise, things will get going. And believe you me, I definitely know the impacts of what that means for parents right now. And that's, yep, super fun to figure out what to do with your kids in social isolation for, for the next significant point of time. So um, anyway, I know that that is one of many challenges, and I'd like to share just a couple of thoughts on, uh, on this episode um, to at least kick off this conversation. And then uh, I just want to let you guys know a few things that we're doing here locally here in Corvallis through Grace City. Um, I know your church, wherever you may be at, uh, hopefully you're a part of one, might have a variety of different ways that they're, they're meeting these challenges, and I would just encourage you to dial into to those. Um, but here's, a, here's, some of my, here's some of my thoughts. As far as church goes, there's, a, there's this amazing gift that we've been given called technology, and in particular the internet, that is making this disruption of normal church rhythms of gathering actually quite, um, not, well, not nearly as severe as they otherwise would be, and in some cases actually quite tolerable. Um, our decision, along with pretty much every church that I know of at this point, is to cancel Sunday gatherings, uh, and if, if a church hasn't done that, they probably should have done that. Um, but to, to cancel their Sunday gatherings, um, and I'm speaking f- here for an American context, I can't speak. I know I've got a lot of global listeners, so I don't know what things are like in your, in your specific context. But I'm, when I say that churches have or at least should have canceled Sunday services by now, I'm primarily speaking about America. And there could be unique circumstances even from that, so I'm not throwing out judgment. Um, but that's what most people are doing at this point. And as we cancel our Sunday services... Um, we have transitioned to doing an online service, essentially, and some churches are just um, streaming their services on Sunday morning. Some of them are kind of pre-recording a sermon or maybe some kind of worship moment or, or you know, pattern liturgy, and then posting that at some point. Um, they're, we're all just kind of handling it in some similar fashion by essentially transitioning things to online. And what this is allowing us to do is to transmit communication and content. It's allowing us to see faces that are familiar, uh, especially as pastors, to have our voices and our faces seen and heard is a big deal. I think when the sheep are spooked, they need to hear the voice of their shepherd. And I think that that for sure the true good shepherd of Jesus, but also his under-shepherds, you know, the specific leaders in in church communities that have been given responsibility by Jesus to care for his people. And so that's a a big deal. And that is an incredible gift that we have in technology right now, that we have that ability. Um, You know, it's not like the biblical times where we might just be writing letters and kind of circuit delivering them throughout the area. That's one way to do it. But this this sure feels like an upgrade from that, you know, when we can record ourselves and deliver that pretty seamlessly and instantaneously to everyone's you know, devices uh, on demand. That's pretty incredible. Um, so one thing that's not going to get interrupted, or I should say does not have to get interrupted, is just the progression of a church community in terms of what they're learning together, in terms of how they're exploring the scriptures together, in terms of what they are hearing from God uh, in those Sunday moments together. That doesn't necessarily have to be entirely disrupted. 
uh, and that's actually a really beautiful gift. I don't know if you can sense my tone in this already, but I seem to be building up all the positives of this moment because I really am setting up the cliff to jump off of here for the ginormous however, which is just coming here very, very quickly. I, I don't want to dismiss how wonderful of a gift technology can be when it's used in instances like this to bridge the gap of people who aren't able to meet in person and are still able to at least hear biblical content and gather in some virtual form online. But however, 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 and here's what I really want to stress, and here's a big deal that I want everyone to really let settle on their hearts that is hearing this. The church is called to gather together, and that means in person. That means that there is something uniquely theologically, spiritually, and powerfully important about believers in Christ being together in the same room in close proximity. This is something hugely significant. That isn't to say that we should violate all the, like, you know, the social distancing of right now. No, no, this is just a temporary moment. Where we, where we do have to isolate and distance ourselves. For sure, 100%. What I am saying is, we should not be content with this moment as if this is just okay, as if this is just a one-for-one -one replacement of what we've lost. In my view, it's like going from losing butter and just simply replacing it with margarine. That's essentially what we've done right now. It's imitating the same general effect, but depending on your distaste for margarine, you get where I'm coming from here. It is not butter. It's not even close to the same thing. And that's where we are between the online experience and the actual in-gathered, in-person experience. And you can see this all throughout the Bible. Now, the Bible, especially the New Testament, is actually letters. So in one sense, it might seem hypocritical to say, well, like, well, just because they didn't have the internet, they were still transmitting communication from church to church, you know, from someone being written down and passed on. So it is kind of the same idea, right? But if you look into the content of the letters, they are very personal. And you just look at the Apostle Paul as one example. And in multiple of his letters, like in 2 Timothy, he wrote, I long to see you again. In Romans 1.11, he says, I long to see you and impart something to you. Uh, in Philippians 1, he talks about how he has these people, though he's locked away in prison at this time, he has these people in his heart and he deeply longs for them. So there is even in the sense of this necessary communication coming via distance that what Paul ultimately desires is to be with these people. Yes, because he loves them. Yes, because he has affection for them, but also because there is something deeply theologically significant about God's people actually being together. There's something that uniquely happens when we're in the room together that you can you can mimic through, uh, through FaceTime and through a podcast, but you can't actually fully accomplish. And so my deep hope is that the church of Jesus in this moment would be simultaneously grateful for all the technology we have to help bridge this gap of social isolation and provide some means of connection, but at the same time be deeply, deeply discontent and to realize this is not it. This is not the thing. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And we are, no matter how good and significant our technology is, it can never replace people and their faith being in the room with one another. The word of God being proclaimed in the room by someone that, uh, that you are either known or in at least a community in which you are known. There is something just so 
amazingly important. And here's, here's what I really have a lot of faith for, that this time and this moment, as we are socially isolated, that it is actually going to increase the hunger for us to actually come together. Now, I've watched some prognosticators on Twitter and social media, um, some really good thinkers and people I highly respect, that are actually expressing a lot of fear and concern over this issue, that this is going to be a seismic shift in the way church is done, that already there's a lot of churches that have done some form of online church or online service of some kind, and I'm not here to speak about anything. I really don't know enough to, to be able to speak, you know, as to whether that is the right or wrong thing to do church-wise. Um, I know that there's there's a lot of good things that can be accomplished there and a lot of creative things you can do that it's easy to judge on the surface, but I think there's a lot of ways that you can at least do it relatively well. I get that. However, the idea that this is going to seismically shift the church into doing increasingly online sorts of interactions, um, A, I really hope not, but B, I really don't think so. I think what this could actually do is increase the appetite of God's people for live in-person interactions, to realize the significance of sitting in the room together and hearing a live sermon. Yeah, there's something about just sitting in your pajamas in your living room and downloading a podcast whenever you want, never having to set your alarm, you know, I get that. but. We're going to be doing this for enough weeks in a row that I think at some point people are going to trail off and realize there's going to be a diminishing returns of the impact God's going to make on our life through that. And um, again, we're grateful for the technology, but discontent to know that there is something better. That being in the room with people means that in the same way we're now realizing that a virus can spread through personal contact, even through some intermediate social distance, faith does also. Faith spreads that way. When I'm in the room with people with faith, I catch it. I catch it. I guess I, I don't mean to use these really crass or insensitive terms here, but the parallels are overwhelming. The idea of how a virus spreads from one human to another is extremely similar to how faith can spread as well. I don't just simply lose my responsibility to believe or repent or trust God and do all those things, but yet when I'm with other people, it encourages me. It actually and practically and really, really, really builds me up. I am able to stand firm against temptation. I am able to hear and trust God. I am able to actually walk out my faith in a more significant fashion when I am with the people of God versus when I am not. And so I want us all, really, this is my huge encouragement, to be incredibly grateful for the technology that we have and discontent, discontent about not being in the presence of one another. And just think about how significantly this is portrayed all throughout scripture. From the garden in the beginning of Genesis, we were meant to live in God's presence. When that was broken through sin, you get the introduction of the tabernacle and the temple was essentially God's just refusal to not be with us. And even in some just broken sort of form, he still remained with us in a powerful way through the tabernacle, which was a portable tent, uh, a portable, excuse me, temple, and then the temple, which is God's house, essentially, that he would live in among his people. And then in Jesus, the incarnation, that God came among us, that Jesus is our Emmanuel, God with us. God's presence deeply desires to be with us. And of course, that never leaves because even no matter how socially isolated we are, he'll always be with us. And that's powerfully true. But God's presence is meant to be mediated, not just directly from him to us, but even through the community of God's people around us as well. And so the idea of the church 
It's not just a social organization. It's just not a nonprofit. It's not some institution alone. Um, and it's certainly not something that's just easily consumable as a good or service online. It is an actual real life community of people that you know and are known by that you're walking in relationships with and there is something happening even if you recognize it or not where God's spirit is moving and touching your life and building you up by being in the presence of his people. And this is why the book of Hebrews says, do not forsake gathering together. Do not forsake being together. Even though throughout the Bible story, there's exile, there's war, there's even disease and all kinds of things that prohibit people from being together. Just because those exceptions happen in our world does not mean we're supposed to accept them as the norm. It does not mean we're supposed to not be discontent, to actually want to be close and to be together as a community, to hear God's word proclaimed, not through the internet, but in person and live, to be able to pray for people, lay hands on people, encourage people, share our life, the insignificant and the significant stuff along with it, with one another. This is all incredibly, incredibly important. And so if uh, from wherever you're hearing this, may I just encourage you, please, to lean into the presence of God because he's with you and he's with you and he's with you. May you be very grateful for all that uh, your church is providing online in terms of uh, connection and just continuing to grow uh, in your relationship with God. And I've got some future episodes to talk about the amazing benefits this season is going to afford us, so stay tuned for that. But can you please just remain discontent? It's okay. It's okay to be a little upset. It's okay to tell God you're a little upset because I think he's a little upset too. I think we should desire to be together even knowing that we can't and we shouldn't for right now. And holding that tension is, I think, the beautiful thing of what the church does in the wild. It's what the church does in moments like this. And let this increase your appetite for relationship, for real life connection, for gathering with the people of God. Let it increase, not decrease your appetite for that. And if we come out of this, um, if we come out of this season with an increased appreciation for being together, and increased appetite for wanting to be together, um, I think that will be a huge win. I think that will be a huge win. And I'm really hoping that all the spiritual and social prognosticators, some of which are saying that this is actually going to kill our appetite for being together in exchange for the convenience of just being online and socially individualized and isolated, I, I am I am deeply hoping and praying that will not be true. That will not be the story. And if you are a church leader listening to this, um, I want to actually actively encourage you as you encourage your people to connect with them, encourage them, and build into them however you can via online, but to also encourage them to have a holy discontent in this moment as well, to not let the story of this virus and our social isolation be one in which, yeah, that's that was the time when we learned how to do online stuff really, really well. You probably are and already have learned how to do just because of the necessity of it. But let the full testimony be, no, we actually became hungry and desperate for God to be among us as we're gathered together more and more and more. My hope is that that is what becomes powerfully true, even though technology will never go away or not play a part in the way we function as a church. It's all going to be there, and it's all a blessing in some form or fashion. But may we continue to long and hunger for being together in person. Thank you guys for listening. This is my first episode of this COVID-19 moment, and there will be more to come shortly. Grace and peace to all of you. We'll talk to you soon.